Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Tuesday, January 8th, 2019. It's days like this I am very grateful and appreciative of this app. The opportunity to post a podcast anytime I feel like it. Because as some of you may know, each and every Monday I record a podcast down in Cherry Hill called Keeping It Sports with M3. And at times there are events that may occur, whether it be a big game, a free agent signing, a trade, an injury that occur, and I'm not able to talk about it until the next week. And as we know, with anything in life, whether it be sports, entertainment, anything, if you don't have the ability to react to it immediately, within a day or two, it's considered old news. That's, you know, unfortunately just the way the world works. So I'm very thankful that this app, Anchor, is here so at any time I can record a podcast on things that may occur in the sports world. Take last night for an example. I was not able to talk about the college football playoff national championship game on yesterday's podcast because it had not happened yet. Now, with this, I can react and recap an event that, quite frankly, I did not see this outcome coming. And it's not, I didn't see either one of these teams beating uh, the other. I didn't view either one of them as a huge favorite. I thought it was a coin toss type game because all year we expected to be at this point. Since the moment that the season first kicked off at the end of August, beginning of September, we expected to see Alabama versus Clemson in the college football playoff for the fourth year in a row and for the third time in four years playing for the national championship. What I did not expect to see happen was Clemson blowing out Alabama. And you you would have told me before the game, I would have said, no, there's no way that's happening. Just like I would have told you there's no way Alabama was going to blow out Clemson. Because I look at this, you have the best two coaches in college football with great supporting coaching staffs behind them. With two great young quarterbacks that are going to go in the top of the NFL draft when uh, they're eventually eligible. How could you have a blowout on either side? But what led to this was Clemson greatly outcoaching Alabama and mistakes by uh, Tua Tangovola and just the fact that Clemson had an overall grittiness and more toughness to them and more discipline to them than did Alabama last night. I mean, you look at, if you didn't look at the final score and just looked at the, the box score after the game, you would have thought, oh, this was a close competitive game. And early on, it didn't look like we were going to get that because each team was trading scores back and forth. Each team, it seemed like it was a boxing fight. You were waiting for 
one guy to make a mistake. You were waiting to see how they would respond, what would be their counterpunch in this. And you were wondering, all right, Tua's been in this spot before. Remember, he came in in relief of last year's national championship game. Trevor Lawrence, this was the first time he was going to be on this biggest stage because he handled Notre Dame with relative ease. Notre Dame, after all their big talk, after all their bravado, did not show up in the semifinals against Clemson. And at first you thought, oh, maybe the kid got rattled when they got the ball first and uh, they were forced to go three and out and punt 40 seconds into the game. But his teammates picked him right up from there when A.J. Terrell had the 44-yard interception return to give Clemson the first score of the night. And, you know, I look at that play and I said to myself, you know, I don't think that was a bad call by Tua there. I just thought it was a great play by Terrell. He, um, Tua did not expect Terrell to come inside. He thought he was going to go cover the wide receiver on the outside. Wasn't going to cut in on the tight end inside and make the play like that. And as soon as he got the interception, you knew he was going back to the house because there, there was no one but him and, and Tua uh, between him and the end zone. But Alabama uh, quickly responded, and each time one team responded, the the other team came back with a punch of its own. These teams, they traded scores back and forth, and you had a them within double digits halfway through uh, the first quarter. But here's where the first game-changing factor of the night occurred, because Clint... Uh, Alabama looks like they're going to tie up Clemson. They get their second touchdown of the night. But their field goal kicker, Joseph Bluvas, misses the extra point to keep it Clemson uh, leading uh, 14-13. And that would go on to be a factor in some of Nick Saban's decision-making as this game went on. That would probably also go on to... Uh, play a part in some of Tua Tagovailoa's decision making as the game went on, because there were a couple of occasions where they had, you know, fourth and short, and rather than kick the field goal, they're attempting to go for it on fourth down and r- running straight up the middle into a Clemson defensive line that was great at stopping the run. Uh, yeah. Alabama's backs were still able to record uh, five and six yards per carry, especially uh, both Harris's were averaging five yards a carry uh, last night. But there were times, whether it be on the, the fake field goal attempt, where the early in the second half, where they decide to have the holder, the placeholder. Um, Jones uh, runs straight up the middle on a fourth and six, uh, and he again stopped. Which, why, if you're gonna run the fake there, I don't understand why you wouldn't just put uh, either uh, Jalen Hurts on the field as the holder and have uh, 
him uh, throw the ball, or you would uh, have the ball come back to the kicker and have him throw the ball because you're going to have the placeholder who has to get the ball and then get up and off one knee and and run and run straight into Clemson's uh, front seven. Plus, they, they were expecting that. Dabo Sweeney had seemingly had his team prepared for every situation. And, you know, what I love about Dabo Sweeney is the fact that he goes into games like this. I mean, you watch these two teams come out of the locker room and it's almost like you see two different mindsets here. You have the mindset of Nick Saban, very businesslike, very uh, stone-faced, uh, almost like he doesn't even enjoy being there. Meanwhile, Dabo's all smiles, trying to keep the team loose, keep them excited, reminding the guys, yeah, the, we have uh, work to be done here, but this is a game. Have fun. Can enjoy this moment. You're one of the best teams um, in college football playing the other best team in college football. Try not to take this too seriously. Try, try not to let it nerve you up. And that and that's part of why I think Clemson was able to not just win this game, but win it in the the blowout fashion that they did because they came out loose. They came out. Uh, saying to themselves that they weren't going to be intimidated by anything Alabama did. They didn't let it get to them, the fact that Trevor Lawrence went three and out on the first drive of the game. They didn't let it get to them, the fact that every um, time uh, they put points on the board, Alabama immediately came back down and scored a touchdown. They didn't let it get to them, the fact that Alabama uh, took a a 16-14 lead in uh, the second quarter. And they didn't even let it get to them, the fact that Tua at times tried to test out their corners too much, tried to get a little overzealous. And that's what I thought was Tua's probably biggest mistake of the night. It's 21-16. You're already in Clemson territory here. And knowing that it's a chess matchup, knowing that one side is waiting for the other to make a mistake, he decides instead of going the safe route where he had the tight end underneath, he decides to throw the ball up 40 yards, attempting to go for a touchdown all on one play and gets picked off by Trayvon Mullen who brought it back into Alabama territory. And from there, it seemed like Clemson had Alabama on its heels for the rest of the night with Trevor Lawrence uh, bringing them right down the field and immediately uh, taking a two-score lead. The fact that after they go up 28-16, they shut down Alabama's... uh, offense immediately and properly use their timeouts so they could get the ball back and tack on a field goal uh, before half to lead by two touchdowns. The the fact that 
No, Alabama was so unhinged and unnerved by the fact that their field goal kicker misses the extra point early on that they can't even let him go for a chip shot field goal just to get points on the board. Because if they go, it's 31-16 to start the second half. Yeah, they have to to sell for the kick there at, at the Clemson 22-yard line. He kicks the field goal. I know the kid does not have you know, a you know great technique when it comes to kicking, especially when, see, what I loved about last night's broadcast is you had, you had the normal broadcast with Kirk Herbstreet and uh, Chris Fowler calling the game. But you didn't have the normal nonsense you have had in past years with the national championship game where you have five other channels showing uh, different ESPN personalities watching this game. You had that on ESPN2. You had your normal uh, uh, game cast broadcast where they had camera angles on both sidelines as well as the game view with up-to-date stats and on ESPN News, you had a broadcast in which the Monday Night Football crew, Joe Tessitore, Booger McFarlane, and Jason Witten were watching the game along with NFL Draft um, expert Todd McShay. And they were able to break the game down as it was going on. And Tessitore brought up a good point that uh, Beluvas, while he has a strong kicking leg, he has great kicking talent, can kick the ball as far as anybody he does not have a lot of lift in his kicks. He does not have it where he has a great launch angle when it, he's kicking. It's almost like he's just trying to muster up and kick it 60 yards, even when all he needs is just a chip shot at that point. So missing the extra point early on had Saban so unnerved that even down just by two scores, he decides to run a fake field goal on fourth and six and have the placeholder run the ball up the middle. And the the worst part about that play is Clemson was waiting for it. They knew it was coming. They knew that, oh, Alabama's going to try and uh, do something strategic here, try and do something crazy. And it turned out to not work. And from there, you just felt like as the game went on, the life was sucked out of the Alabama Crimson Tide. That that they came in with such a, I don't know whether you want to call it over cockiness, over arrogancy about them, thinking that, hey, we've beaten this uh, team two of the last three years. We're, we went undefeated in the SEC. We handled Oklahoma with relative ease. And let, let's be clear here. They did handle Oklahoma with relatively ease. So don't be fooled by uh, the 45-34 uh, uh, score there. Nick Saban took his foot off the gas pedal after it was 28 nothing. But they ran up against a team that they took lightly, a team that... Quite frankly, I don't think they showed a lot of respect for that. They, um, they may have said all the right things leading up to this game, but it didn't seem like they thought Clemson was on their level. They thought that, oh, 
they're going to be let down by uh, losing one of uh, their best defenders in uh, Dexter Lawrence. They're going to be uh, uh, nervous based on the fact that this is Trevor Lawrence's first time in the, the national championship. Well, we got a guy on our side that led us in a great comeback last year and uh, in our minds should have won the Heisman Trophy Award. But as I stated before, it was all three of those factors, the field goal kicker missing the extra point and Saban losing confidence to him. Uh, Nick Saban and his coaching staff uh, being too high strung and not having his team, you know, loose enough and prepared enough. It, it What it almost felt like, and I'll make a baseball analogy here for Alabama. It feels like Alabama can't ever enjoy the moment. The example I'll give is the 2000 MLB World Series, when you had the Subway Series, the Yankees versus the Mets. The Mets were all giddy and joyful about being in the World Series, while the Yankees you know, handled themselves very businesslike and had all the pressure of the world upon them, um, realizing they couldn't lose to the New York Mets. They couldn't enjoy the Subway Series, a moment that quite frankly, we had not seen in this area in a long time. And that's what Alabama seems like. It seems like they can never enjoy themselves. And when you do see them lose, it's because they came into a spot too tight, feeling, you know, putting too much pressure on themselves. And, you know, they've got to remember, these are kids playing a sport here. Yeah, it's a sport that makes a lot of money and is immensely popular uh, because of that. But to, to just come in that tight, that hams, that, uh, you know, wind, wound up, while your, op- your opponent on the other side, let's not forget, they've won the national championship recently as well. It's not like they're trying to overcome some kind of curse here. I, I don't know. That, that that just, I think, led to, you know, Tua making some of the mistakes he did, trying to um, throw it down the field and, and test uh, Clemson's secondary. Because Clemson, unlike Alabama, actually has good corners. Alabama, you, you saw their uh, corners get exposed last night, and that's part of what was the great coaching by uh, Clemson's staff. When you look at, ex- especially the coordinators, whether it be um, Michael Loxley, who realized Alabama's weakest part of their defense is their corners. Let's test them out down the field. We got all these great wide receivers uh, on our team. Let's not just uh, kind of dink and dunk here. Or with the fact that Brent Venables and how he had his defense prepared for every one of the fourth downs, realizing that, hey, Alabama's just going to try and run it up the middle on you guys. They, they're not going to truly respect the, the fact that even without Dexter Lawrence, you guys can get this done. Just And then 
as, as soon as some anything went wrong for Alabama, they after the initial interception uh, that they responded to by uh, AJ Terrell, it seemed like every time something went wrong for Alabama, they never were able to respond correctly, whether it's the missed extra point, whether it's the interception by uh, Mullins, or how about just some of the unbelievable out-of-this-world catches that were being made by Ross, especially that third down in which he's near the sidelines. He has to jump up and reach back with his right arm and bare hand catch it, pull it in, and still manages to get one foot down. And Clemson, it's not like they're going to be going anywhere now. It's not like they're going to be, oh, winning a national championship and you worry, are they going to be able to carry this over? No, they're going to be motivated to repeat this. They're going to be motivated to continue on with this greatness that they've put together this great run that they've had of being in the college football playoff each of the last four years because you think about it what was the story early in Dabo Sweeney's coaching uh, career at Clemson it was that oh they can't win the big game. Remember, there was that term, and it seems like it was a lifetime ago that this term was a popular word amongst college football fans. But we used to refer to him by the term of Clemsoning. We used to look at them and say, oh yeah, they can uh, win the ACC all they want. They can win all of have all these double digit win seasons they want, but they can't win in the big spot. We'd mock them for those Saturday night conference losses on the road. We'd mock them for losing the Orange Bowl back in 2011. Um, we'd mock them for losing the national championship game three years ago to Alabama, who, like it or not, had a better team at the time. But he's just, he's installed such a confidence in that program that, you know, kids are watching this and saying, hey, I want to be part of that because, yeah, he's not just a great coach, but he reminds us that this is a sport, this is something that we should have uh, fun with and the, not to take ourselves too seriously. Unlike uh, Alabama, where sometimes when you take things too seriously, you're prone to a mistake. Even as great as you are, when you run up against uh, a, uh, another team as great as you are, that can lead you to being mistake prone. And even with me talking about how uh, loose uh, Dabo Sweeney keeps his team, he also kept them very disciplined at the same time because they made one penalty last night. 
one. One for, what, 12 yards? Well, Nick Saban, his defense is is committing penalties, whether it be uh, holding or or uh, pass interference penalties that allowed drives to continue. I think they even had a, a rough in the passer penalty mixed in there on Trevor Lawrence at one point and a late hit out of bounds on Ross early on that uh, allowed a third down drive to continue on and uh, lead down for another score for Clemson. Just all the way around, everything you can point at was a factor in why this, which on paper should have been a classic. And on paper, you look at the final stats for this game and you would have thought to yourself, if you're not looking at the score, oh, that's a close competitive game because Bama had more first downs. Clemson, both teams had over 440 yards of total offense. But Clemson, they didn't make the mistakes that Alabama made. Clemson remained, even as loose as they were, remained disciplined by not making stupid penalties. Clemson didn't turn over the ball in the opposition's territory. And Clemson, one mindset that they followed throughout the game is... Every, even every time they scored or every time they changed to another quarter, Dabo kept uh, saying, installing this mindset in the team. The score is 0-0, letting them know that this is not enough, letting them know that uh, who was on the other side. It felt like while he had his team prepared for any situation, Alabama was shell-shocked and was not completely prepared for any and all of these situations. And now, while I give all the credit in the world to uh, Clemson, and as I said, they're not going anywhere because you look at Trevor Lawrence, you look at Ross, the great, these two great young players for this team, they're both still 19 years old. They're both true freshmen. They're still going to be there for another two years. So I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson's right back in this spot next year. Hell, I'd be surprised if, if they weren't. I'd be surprised if we weren't talking about them in the national championship game. Because here you got Trevor Lawrence, who all, all season now is going to be talked as the favorite for the Heisman Trophy next year. You know, Ross, who all the um, sports outlets are going to praise as possibly being the best wide receiver in all of college football. And you know that they're going to do a great job in recruiting to restock that defense with the fact that senior leaders of theirs like Dexter Lawrence, like Wilkins, are going to be leaving the program. You know they're going to be able to find people to fill those voids. Maybe not to the high bar level that they set, but at a level that they'll make them proud. But people I've seen over the last 12 hours or so have tried to, in a way, knock the credentials of Alabama, saying that, oh, they shouldn't have been in the game. You know, after the game, I actually got text messages from friends who were foolish enough to say that, Notre Dame was better than Alabama because Alabama 
lost by more points than Clemson did. And why, I, I can't even believe I'm gonna waste minutes of my day explaining why that's so stupid, but I'll, I'll go on and do it anyway. Alabama had just as good a talent as Clemson did last night. They were able to move the ball up and down the field. But at the most crucial moments, that's when they made their biggest mistakes. The, mix, the missed extra point. The second interception by Tua Tagovailoa, And the fact that they couldn't convert, convert on fourth down. The fact that they couldn't convert on third down. And all, long, all night long, they were 4 for 13 on third down. While Clemson is 10 for 15 on third down. And only had one time, one time in which they elected to go for it on fourth down, and they successfully converted that. It wasn't because of lack of talent. It wasn't because of lack of ability. It was because of poor coaching. It was because of uh, poor execution why they didn't win. And, you know, Clemson just had an overall bigger heart than did Alabama last night. Meanwhile, you look back at when Clemson blew out Notre Dame, Notre Dame couldn't move the ball to save their life. They had a, about 150 yards of offense heading into the fourth quarter and were able to tack on 80 to just make it representable and still gave up over 500 yards of offense to Clemson. It, I mean, it wasn't even a close fight. It, the score read 35-3, and on the, the stat sheet you look at and you see 538 yards of offense compared to four, 248 yards of offense. Meanwhile, in this game, yeah, Alabama was able to move the ball, but they just poorly executed at the wrong times, and, and Clemson took advantage of every one of those opportunities. And I'll continue to mention this. You can't compare Notre Dame to Alabama. You can't compare what these two teams did as far as resumes. Because Alabama went 14-1 and by winning the SEC Conference and going undefeated in their uh, in their uh, conference play. They were 9-0 in a schedule in which, tell me where in Notre Dame's schedule they played some of these teams. Alright? They they went and they um, and excuse me, they went on the road and shut out LSU, who was number 3 at the time. They blew out number 16, um, Mississippi State. They beat Georgia after trailing by 14 in the SEC title game. They went on the road, excuse me, they at home blew out Auburn. They beat Tennessee on the road 58-21. And they beat Texas A&M at home 45-23. Where are those victory, those kind of victories for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's one representative uh, win was in week one against Michigan. 
And after that, yeah, they went undefeated and played 10 teams from Power 5 conferences. But all of the rest of those teams you look at were no best than the 6th or 7th best team in their respective conference and no better than a team that went either 6 and 6 or 8 and 4. They didn't beat any, you know, double digit win powerhouses. So that this nonsense that I saw on Twitter whether it be the ex-governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, who was trying to validate Notre Dame's claim or friends of mine that were texting me that thought I was out of my mind for saying Notre Dame should have been in the playoffs. That mindset, that needs to stop. Because Notre Dame, until they join a, show some guts, join a conference, and have to play, do conference play that involves going on the road rather than spending a majority of their schedule at home, does not deserve to be in the conference, in the conversation for the college football playoff. I can't, I can't even believe I had to waste minutes of my day, minutes on this podcast talking about that, rather than continuing to praise Clemson, praise Dabo Sweeney for what he's turned Clemson into, and praise Clemson for doing something that... You know, I saw Stephen A. Smith mention this on ESPN earlier today on First Take, and I think he's 100% right in what he stated. Clemson saved college football here because if Alabama wins this title, third title in four years, then it's just an out-of-control freight train that you install a mindset in possibly in Trevor Lawrence's mind of oh can we can I beat Alabama am I good enough to beat Alabama well yes you were and give Dabo Sweeney credit because remember last year they lost to Alabama in the semifinals and that's with uh, Kelly Bryant as their quarterback this year after four games, he decides to make the change and go to Trevor Lawrence, realizing that I've got the ACC on lockdown. I, I'm going to win this with relative ease. I now got to prepare for Alabama because I know I'm going to see them again. And he made the smart change, the wise change, by going to, to Trevor Lawrence and announcing him as the new starting quarterback on Monday, September 24th. And it's a move that, you know, you look back on and you wonder, why didn't he do that sooner? Because at only 19 years old, this kid's got the goods. And it's a shame that he's got two more years of college football uh, to play because you would see teams like the Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars tripping all over themselves to trade up to either the Cardinals or the 49ers in this year's draft to get that guy. You would see teams in the later half of the draft, if Ross was available in this year's draft, to trade up and and get him. And just, you know, all the way around, I'm starting to lose some of my thought process here, but I mean, 
I don't think there's enough words out there that can explain to anyone how great it was what Clemson did last night. As I said, I don't have a dog in the fight. I was just hoping for a classic. But to see, no, someone do that to Alabama is something that I never thought I would see. And no, all all the way around, you, you might be able to start making the argument that with what Dabo Sweeney has done, that he is uh, starting to slowly take the mantle away from Nick Saban of being the best coach in all of college football, especially with the fact that now, look at who are the other big-time names as far as college football coaching are concerned. Urban Myers retiring. Could Jim Harbaugh be leaving for the NFL? It's really, you know, him and Saban as it's concerned as the top of the pecking order when it comes to these coaches. And the fact that he showed the guts to make that quarterback change and and then was validated by that with what this kid did in these two playoff games and not just winning, but winning in convincing fashion shows you just how great a coach he is and showing that Clemson, you know, as long as he's in there, he's there, he's going to be in great hands for a very long time. For this Tuesday, January 8th, 2019, I'm M3, and that was my opinion. Remember, as always, you can follow me on Twitter if there's anything that you hear me express on these podcasts that you want to react to um, or respond to or want to debate me on, you can send me any questions, comments, opinions at, at any time on Twitter at m 3 Rosansky, as well as check out my other podcast, Keeping It Sports with M3. You can find it on facebook.com slash Keeping It Sports with M3. Everyone enjoy the rest of your day and I'll talk to you again very soon. Peace.